Rise Above the Herd was like a lifeline to me in the moments I needed it most in my life. It introduced me to the most wonderful like-minded souls and it helped me really cast a vision for my future. Nowadays, I'm passionate about the work I'm doing. I'm being invited to speak at live teachings and my work's being requested to integrate into school curriculums. And I'm just so excited about the future and what that holds, thanks to Rath. Hi everyone, this is Maria from Cyprus and Rise Above the Herd changed my life. I began to choose better for myself, creating the circumstances that I desire, feeling empowered, authentic, and liberated from everything that weighed me down. If you're serious about changing and upgrading your life, the Rise Above the Hurt is the right program for you. If you want to bring alignment to your inner and outer reality, if you want to know and love yourself on the deepest levels, if you want to bring forth your unique gifts from this life and walk your authentic path, if you're ready to take a serious look at all the areas in your life where you're refusing the responsibility that comes with true freedom, then either hit the link in the brief or head to riseaboveTheHerd.co, learn more and reserve your spot for one of the limited seats available for Rise Above the Herd Round 7 starting October 9th. You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. This is episode 138, and today we have Nellie Barnett in the house. She is a multidimensional mom of two who's been working with, living by, and sharing German new medicine since early 2016. She's certified in NLP, in Ericksonian hypnosis, timeline therapy, Reiki, juice fast coaching, trauma-informed breathwork facilitation, and both teachers and consults with GNM as the roadmap that underpins all of her work. In particular, Nelly loves to assist people with chronic pain, mental health challenges, and women's health challenges, including fertility. Her core values include freedom of choice and empowerment of the individual at the top of the list, along with a deep love for nature and the drive to experience as much adventure and joy in life as possible. Her mission is to play a leading role in making the knowledge of GNM easily accessible to every individual, changing the paradigm for generations to come, and help people to understand and experience not only the health benefits of this new paradigm, but also the profound personal growth and evolution that it invites. I absolutely love that. We couldn't agree more here at Here for the Truth. We've hosted Dr. Melissa Sell four times, I believe, and so excited to dive in with you. Thanks for being here. Very welcome. Thanks for having me. I am definitely pumped about this conversation, close to the heart. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, so no beating around the bush. One way we always like to dive in here is like we want to get deep into what were like some of the major catalyzing transformative moments in your life that you think really, you know, helped to evolve you down this path. Ooh, where do we start with that one? <laughs> Um, so I've definitely had a bit of a wild ride life, which has led to a very rich experience, I guess. Um, the moment I, what led me to find out about GNM? So I had been working a really high level corporate job in Sydney, Australia for a few years, and I knew my body wasn't working properly. So there wasn't anything that I was diagnosed with, but I was pretty in tune with my body. And I was like, this is not right. This is not where I want to be. So I was kind of exploring a few different things and I went and had a kinesiology session with a friend of my partner and he dropped this seed of German new medicine into mm. that conversation. 
And I was just like, what is that? And he gave me, you know, the shortest spiel on it. And immediately it just felt like a truth in my body. It felt like coming home and it felt like someone had finally put a language to everything that I had sort of intuitively known for a lifetime, but hadn't had the words for. And so I dived deep into self-study, ended up studying with dozens and dozens of teachers across the world. um, And that sort of led to where I am now. But you know, like I said, I'd had a really rich experience leading up to that as well. So quite a bit of trauma and, you know, shocking events, DHSs, as I came to understand. Um, And I think that's given me a really amazing lived experiential experience (laughs) to, um, to work with people through. So I have been through several um, deep depressions, suicidal depressions, Um, there was a number of years of drug use, um, all sorts of things like wrapped up into the experience and I don't regret any of it. It's all been a part of who and how I am today. Um, but yeah, there's, like you said, like those moments, right? It's those, those puzzle pieces of moments that have really led to here today. Um, so that would be the nutshell, I think. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. I had the same experience when I first came across, um, GNM and it was through my, my dear friend Melissa. She I met her in 2020, I think it was, and she shared it. And it just seemed to land. It seemed to make sense. It seemed to me to be the most holistic and scientific mm-hmm. understanding of what happens in our bodies and why we get symptoms. And it definitely doesn't leave consciousness at the door, which I think a lot of system and a lot of systems and modalities can can often do. So it's uh it's pretty incredible. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why it floats my boat as well, because I do have like quite a a spiritual side to me, I guess. And um, I really love life and that's all well and good. But then I also have a very like scientific, logical part of my brain that I want to know why and how and all the details. And Germany medicine, Germanic healing knowledge really satisfies that for me because it makes sense intuitively and it feels like truth, but it's also all there in print, like laid out beautifully. Um, So yeah, I think it really satisfies both those things. And um, you know, you mentioned right at the start of this conversation that you really resonate with uh, my mentioning of personal growth and evolution. And I think this is actually one of the biggest things that I have discovered and come to know and love about GNM is that yes, we're working with physical symptoms and there's some beautiful things that can happen in that realm, but the personal growth and evolution through following the conflict themes that are associated with those symptoms is so profound. And that's what I'm finding time and time and time again with all the people I'm working with is like the the wrap up of the biological programs and the symptoms actually ends up becoming secondary. And it's the evolution of the self and the spiritual growth and the things that come along with it that people are going like, whoa, (laughs) my life has really changed for the better through working through these things um, based on the conflict themes. Yeah, it's true. I'm wondering, can, can you speak to like a specific specific example um, in terms of something that's really impacted, I guess, you in that regard? Because, I mean, these symptoms are obviously signposts to things that are so much deeper than just the symptom. Yeah, for sure. So there's, um, there's definitely a couple that come to mind. I know that for a lifetime, I've been really prone to self-devaluation conflicts. Um, I think it's such a common one for so many people in this world. Um, so the feeling of not enough in some way, not good enough, fast enough, smart enough, strong enough, it's definitely been prevalent for me. And so each time that has come up in the form of musculoskeletal pain, I've had to work through another layer of, um, okay, so how am I 
enough and really solidifying that sense of self-worth and self-value. But one of the biggest ones for me, and this is um, full disclosure, potentially too much information for we, some we're people. We're here for the truth. We're here for, here the, for truth. the truth. <laughs> so the truth is, um, so I had a, a really, really gnarly case of what would be called thrush in the conventional medical world that lasted for two years. And so I experienced a, um, I had a, a, like a sexually traumatic experience when I was a child and I knew that it was related to that. This was um, an ugly, ugly gender conflict is what we would call it. So uh, it was endoderm um, program, germ layer, brainstem, and it was affecting the uterus and fallopian tubes. And so when we moved into this house where we are now, it started almost straight away, the symptoms. And so I knew there was something about moving into this house that had triggered the healing. And this had been running a lifetime, you know, since I was like six. This is a long running program. Um, and so I went on this journey to basically work through all the layers and the threads of this experience. And it did take me two years. But literally the day that I put the final puzzle piece into play, the symptoms literally disappeared overnight. And that was a, it was quite unexpected. It was a, um, a conversation with the mother of the people involved. And um, so in German New Medicine, we say that the stone falls from the soul. That's when you know that resolution moment has happened. And that is exactly what it was like. I can literally remember the feeling in my body of just my shoulders going, ah, like it's done. It's so done. And it was, yeah, like 24 hours later, my partner was like, you know, how are you going with the symptoms and stuff? And I was like, oh my God, they're gone, like completely gone overnight and never to be seen again. But my point of this story is that did take two years and it took two years of work. I wasn't working on it, you know, like in the trenches every day, but it was always in the back of my mind. And I moved through so many layers of that experience. Now, had I resolved that issue at the start of the two years, I wouldn't be the person that I am now. Or if I'd taken medication, I wouldn't be the person I am now because that just shed so many layers of weight from my soul, from my experience and um, who I am and how I am today is so different to the start of that two-year journey. So I think that was like such a catalyzing moment for me, such a convincing moment for me with German New Medicine because I literally like, you know, overnight when I felt that last puzzle piece drop in, it was done and I knew it was done. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you find in your years, obviously studying GNM and just working with different clients, that the people that are really drawn to this work and this knowledge are people that are ready to take like true responsibility for their lives, like radical self responsibility, and get out of the victim mindset of like, oh, it's something outside of myself, and you know, it's it's this particle, it's it's this person in my life, you know, people that are really like I'm ready to heal, and I know that who I am, how I think, how I live. Um, and the environment that I'm in has a huge impact. Partially, 100%. I've been speaking for years and doing multiple masterclasses on radical self-responsibility. And it absolutely is, that has to be a priority and it has to be at the forefront of someone's mind to um, to come into this and be ready for this. And on the flip side, I also think it's why some people struggle to accept the concepts of GNM because they're not quite there. They're not quite ready for that. And I'm not saying that's better or worse, good or bad. It's purely where someone's at in their journey. 
but this does take a high level of radical self-responsibility and superb self-awareness as well. And so we have to be ready for those things. And I know people who are like in the holistic world and into all the things, but they're still not interested in GNM. And I think it is that underlying subconscious part where the sightseer is like, no, I can't, I'm not ready to go here yet. I, I don't quite have this within my capacity to fully accept everything as as a part of like my creation and my life. And that was something I definitely had to do with the programs I'm speaking about moving through as well. I had to really take it and say, I'm not a victim to this experience. I am going to um, dissect this experience and see how it worked for me as opposed to happening to me. The perceptual change that was necessary to facilitate those physical changes and the mental changes is is pretty huge, but it's so powerful, right? Like that is available to us at any given moment. That is the true beauty and power of this work. Mm. Yeah. I I have this question for you because, you know, I guess I've been in the, the GNM world for a, a couple of years now and more people are being open to this. Um, but a lot of people will go, okay, great. I have this knowledge, but now what, what do I do about it? You know, like, what do I do? Like, I, I, I read about this and I have these symptoms, but like, what do I do to resolve the conflict? Or I don't know the conflict. I know that's a general question, but like, how, how do you approach that? Yeah, for sure. And this was, um, like, like I said, I did so much self-study on this to begin with. And it was the one part missing for me as well. I was like, this all makes so much sense, but how do I apply it? How do I use it? And so that is a really large focus of the the programs that I offer now are like the application of GNM um, and making it really digestible and easy to understand. But some of the things that I've come across are, um, and I caveat here, right? So in the traditional GNM world, the stance is that uh, GNM GHK should be able to be used alone as a standalone body of knowledge. So they're like the traditional GNM GHK crew are not super keen on integrating other modalities. However, my experience has been that other modalities used as resolution tools, once you know the conflict theme, the DHS and that kind of thing, can be super, super helpful. And so um, the sort of things that I use, obviously, like I'm certified breathwork facilitator, so breathwork can be helpful in both finding the DHS and also resolving the conflict picking up on tracks and triggers, I use a lot of perceptual change techniques. So um, once you, GNM is the roadmap and it gives you the guidebook to your symptoms, the conflict themes, um, it gives you the layout. And then once you kind of put all those puzzle pieces together, then you can start using these tools. So I use a lot of perceptual change tools with people in the resolution um, process. So once we know the DHS, once we know the conflict theme, once we've sort of like picked up on some tracks and triggers, then it really is that perceptual change. Um, one of the most effective and efficient uh, modalities that I've come across is the Martini method. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It is extremely... John, John, John D, is it John Martini? John Martini. Oh, yeah. yeah. So had, the Martini method, you've had him on? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know, I don't know awesome. the method though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he has like, I think it's a seven or eight step actual method. And there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can do it um, directed towards the trait of someone else. So you can do it towards the trait of yourself and you can also do it positively or negatively geared. Um, but it's one of the most powerful, efficient and effective techniques that I have found of facilitating perceptual change. So it goes through a process 
which helps the person own the trait within themselves and then um, facilitate, facilitate perceptual change on the trait and what happened. And so what I do with that is to, once we've nailed a DHS and a conflict, we can sort of pull out the threads of that experience. And I find that there always are threads as well. Like um, it's never, for me, it's what I found is that it's never just like the one main event that um, someone has issues around. There's like all these threads and tangents off of it. And so it's really getting to know the person and understanding their perception of the event. And then we work on each of those threads to just dissolve um, the charge around it. So yeah, that's definitely one of the most uh, effective ones I've found. There's other things like um, simple ones like third-party positioning, which is an NLP technique where you put yourself in your shoes, the other person's shoes, and the shoes of a neutral bystander. And again, it's just about perceptual change. It's about seeing things differently. And so much of this is wrapped up in what we make things mean. So if you take an event, it actually holds no standard universal meaning, right? Like you cannot put one meaning on an event. It is a completely neutral thing. We as humans make the meaning around that event and make it um, mean things about ourselves. And so if we can uh, see what that meaning is and then also find ways of changing it, shifting it, working with it, then that's extremely powerful as well. So yeah, there's some of the ways that I like to um, actually apply GNM to the healing process. Well, not the healing process because the body is dealing, doing the healing itself, but I guess the the wrap up of the resolution process. Yeah, I mean, it makes makes a lot of sense to me. Like even once, like you, I guess, recognize a conflict, like we can still be very one track minded about you know what's what's going on. So I think really, really anything to support being able to shift our perception around what took place can definitely support totally. that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, like Dr. Harm always said, we can facilitate a change in two ways. We can have a perceptual change or a practical change. And so sometimes practical changes just happen in life. You know, if we're in an abusive relationship, we'd leave the relationship and that shifts. Um, but what I do find is that the perceptual change is so powerful because we can have a practical change, but if that same situation comes up again somewhere else, then we're still in a slightly disempowered state because we haven't changed our mindset around that event. So definitely I look for practical changes with people, like how can we resolve this in an immediate fashion so that you can um, you know, be free of the discomfort, but also that true empowerment is in the perceptual change, I believe, and that's where we have great opportunity because, yeah, if we can change the perception, then we don't change it just in that one scenario. We basically have the uh, invitation to change it for life moving forwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like if you think about this correlative to like IFS or like parts work, you know, it's almost like inviting another part into the fray when it comes to that mm. context, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm not super familiar with those um, those formats, but yeah. I kind of get the gist of what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's a similar um, idea of if you have access to more of you, you can look at a situation from a different place, you know, as opposed to being in a rigid mindset and just a few parts of you that kind of like control your day to day. So I think if you can create some space to look at things from a new way that can create space for, I think, resolution uh, and healing to occur. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. All right, Nelly, I know you're a mom of two um and like one of the most 
beneficial and practical applications of GNM, you know, that I've found that can really like help people is like in the family system because we have all these families around like, well, my kids always got snotty noses, you know, while they was coughing, sneezing, wheezing, you know, why is this going around my family household? And like, even like, okay, we know GNM, but how do I help my kids with GNM? You know, this, this can be very, very psychological. So I kind of, kind of want to address this, I'm not sure the best way to answer it. But I'm not sure if you have a have a have a way to start this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so probably start with, I guess, like our experience as a family and how it's yeah. shaped and changed um, mm-hmm. how we operate. Really, it is so powerful within the family unit, as you say. And I really think that this is um, <clears throat> generational wealth that we're talking about right here in an in an energetic form or in a practical form, because. GNM is essentially free, right? Like it, it's happening in our bodies. It's not something that we have to go all the time and see a, a consultant or a teacher or a practitioner or like once you know it, this is in your family for life. And my daughter has had this language in her life since she was five um, and now my son has been born into it, right? My, my son's two. So um my daughter already uses this language, which is so beautiful. So how it's kind of affected and shaped us is that it's definitely changed our parenting style and the way that we parent. It aligns really, really well with um, like aware parenting or attachment parenting because we understand that the way we behave with our kids can really impact their health. Now, of course, at the end of the day, the DHS, the perception of the conflict is always up to the individual. But when we're talking about children, we can definitely be creating perfect storm scenarios for this to happen, right? And so one thing I noticed uh, in our family within my daughter, so she would get this reoccurring cough that was pretty gnarly. And in general, our kids are really, really well. We don't experience a lot of symptoms in our household. And I do believe that has a lot to do with our knowledge of GNM, GHK. Um, so, but she was developing this cough and it was relatively regular and it definitely felt like it had a pattern to it. And what I realized was that it was coming about after each time I yelled at her, hands up, not a perfect parent, still not a perfect parent. Yeah. <laughs> How dare I? All right, <laughs> let's end the conversation right now. I thought we were interviewing a perfect parent. Come on, uh, <laughs> Righto. How you two going? We're <laughs> playing. Um, so yeah, definitely noticed that there was a pattern there. And this is the beauty of the awareness, right? And so I spoke to her about it and I asked, like, how do you feel when I yell at you? And she she shared that she felt like she wasn't meant to be here and that she was in danger. Um, and that she was really frightened and that she thought she was going to be hurt. Like she, she would, she'd be like this. And that was her perception. Like to be yelled at for her wasn't just like, ah, you know, mum's yelling at me. This is annoying. It was really deeply scary for her. And so that was igniting, um, this fear, fright, scare, fright, you know, resulting in the, the cough. And so I was like, whoa, okay. So talked to her through that and explained that um, I certainly never meant her any harm um, and I'm sorry that I had been yelling and it was for me, it was just an outburst of frustration, but I certainly never had any intent of hurting her and, you know, she was valuable in my life and her life mattered here. So we worked through that and that definitely shifted things a little bit 
And then also, obviously, I had to change um, the frequency and energy with which I yelled. I had to become really conscious of that um, and start to move towards a much gentler way of, of doing things. I'm quite a passionate person. So for me, I never meant any harm, but it was just like, wah, rah, rah, right? Um, but I, I had to really, yeah, look at that and the cough wrapped up. So um, I definitely still yell sometimes, like I said, still not a perfect parent, but she has a much better understanding of why I'm yelling and what it means. Um, and I have obviously a raised awareness of trying as best I can to not do it and also making sure that when I do, that I address it and own my wrongdoing and, and own it as quickly as possible. And I found that that makes a massive difference as well. Our kids don't necessarily need perfect parents. They do need to see their parents owning it when they are out of line and apologizing um, so that they know that they're safe and they're loved and they're they're valued within the family unit. So, yeah, it's yeah. definitely changed things there for us. I don't know if you guys have it's any. A, no, yeah. Well, it's a complete paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, it, it like goes against, I mean, forget conventional medicine, but even challenges certain ideas around more holistic and alternative practices and modalities. Um, one thing I want to get into is around, um, you know, when I brought this knowledge up to people, especially parents, when they go, well, you know, I, I got, I caught a sickness from my kid. They were sick. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole idea, I know Joel mentioned it before, but like the child gets sick, has a common cold, et cetera. And then, you know, a few days later, the, you know, the parent has it as well. I mean, I have my ideas and things that I've shared about it, but I'd love for you to explain like what happens when people think it's contagion, but it's something else. So I'd, I'd love for you to get into that. Yeah. Great topic. And obviously it's one that's like been pretty hot over the last few years. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> our experience has definitely been that since we've known about GNMGHK, the, that is, uh, extremely reduced for us that experience it is rare now that all of us have something at the same time so that has been amazing <laughs> to start with um, and that has come from that understanding and from that reduction of fear so the language in our household mentally and uh, outwardly verbally is very much like when somebody has something in inverted commas um, it's it's theirs it's their experience and we don't need to catch that or be a part of that. We are a sovereign uh, individual from that experience. So that's definitely changed within our language and our paradigm. And then, yeah, sometimes we will all have something at the same time. And then we look to, okay, what have we experienced together? Uh, what's been the family unit experience? Um, and then the other thing that I personally believe can happen is an energetic uh, crossover as well. And GNMGHK doesn't necessarily speak uh, formally to this, but I do think that there is, yeah, some potential energetic crossover. And by that, I mean, when a family unit is so closely connected, we're obviously like impacted by each other's experiences. Now, particularly with the children up to about the age of seven, um, this is a lot of Steiner's work as well, Rudolf Steiner, the child and particularly mother are very, very highly connected. And so for me, it stands to reason that there can be a crossover ex of experience between that as well. So if the child experiences something, the mother can also experience it on the child's behalf and vice versa, which we see in the womb too. So this is how um, congenial you know, things happen and how children are born with something is that there is an experience within the womb, either independently 
or through the mother's experience as well. And of course, like we can, when our kids get quote unquote sick, that that can be shocking for us as well. So it can start our own program, our own DHS, the biological programs can start there. You know, if I'm caught off guard because my child suddenly goes down with a fever or something, you know, quite gnarly, that can be, that can impact me. I can be like, oh goodness, like, I don't, you know, I'm afraid for my child or it's inconvenient. Sucks. It's another one, yeah, you know, it, sucks. Like it, it stinks. Sucks. Yeah. yeah, it stinks. Yep. Totally. Run the yeah. sinus program and get a snotty nose. Yeah. <laughs> and then once, and then once the child, I guess, heals and the symptoms are gone, then the parents like, oh, and then they start their, they start their healing phase. Correct. Yep. Potentially, hence, yeah. hence the cycle continues. I feel so much better about myself, about my life, about reality since completing Rise Above the Herd. I am taking ownership and responsibility for my life. I know that I am the one to change my life through taking action. Thank you, Joel and Eurasimos and Sophie. If you're ready to go on an eight-week process of radical transformation with myself, Eurasimos, and Sophie Fletcher to get real and vulnerable and address the most subtle programs holding you back, then head to riseaboveTheHerd.co or click the link in the brief to learn more and reserve one of the limited spots available for round seven. Yeah. There's also like this big, I guess, thing in the culture around, you know, um, daycare. Like daycare is a petri mm. dish. My kids go to daycare. They always come back with the runny noses. Like mm, there might be something else going on there. Yeah. So for me, and I know, so Melissa is a dear friend and colleague, and I know that she speaks a lot to biological, right? And this is really resonant for me as well. What is biological? What is logical for our biology? For me personally, and please don't anyone take this as a judgment. I know that everyone has their own reasons for kids being in childcare and there's a myriad of reasons, right? So this is not a judgment. However, from my perspective, it is not logical to our biology for our children to be away from us and in environments like that. It, it doesn't make biological sense. Again, especially up to about the age of seven, our children are meant to be close to us. We are their protection network. We are their teachers. There's so much going on there um, that impacts their biology. And so when we see children being separated um, from mothers, parents early on, and then not only separated, but thrown into this environment where there's a lot of different dynamics going on and a lot of different energy going on, and they're under the care of people they don't um, know so well, uh, yeah, there's a lot that can happen. And so for me, it's not that your child is catching so many things from daycare. It's that your child is experiencing a lot of conflicts at daycare. That's that's kind of the the truth of it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, the truth. Yeah, um, yeah for the truth. Yeah, daycare, yeah, truth, school, right? whatever. I mean, and primarily probably the contact, the, the conflict of being separated from yep. my primary caregiver. Yeah. So eczema is like one of the most common childhood yeah. symptoms I see. And this is a separation conflict and it makes complete sense. Um, one of the three criterion of the first biological law is isolation. So DHS happens when we're caught off guard and isolated. Yeah. And so for a child to be away from their mother is an isolation because she's their safety net. She is their biological primal safety net. Um, and so it kind of creates, yeah, the perfect storm scenario for a lot of these conflicts to happen. So that's, yeah, that's my perspective on that one. And I, you know, this is testament, uh, not testament, wrong word. This is um, 
you know, this is really sharp. I, I personally believe we're living very out of alignment with our natural biology at the moment. So I have this like deep, deep craving and longing to be back in a tribal environment, a community environment. And um, the way that we are living today feels very misaligned with our human biology and our natural way of being. And it makes like no sense to me whatsoever why we have mothers all across the city, the world that are isolated and and have to put our kids into care to be able to operate, to be able to earn money, to be able to have a break. Like it's it's so out of alignment with our natural biology and it doesn't, it's not biological at all. So I hope that somewhere in time this will start coming back uh, towards a more conducive yeah. way of yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying hits the nail on the head. Um, we've just moved so far away from nature uh, yeah. in terms of how we live. And, you know, people always want to blame, like, oh, the foods we're eating is the reason why everyone's obese or everyone has these like um, psycho-emotional issues, et cetera. Now, I think, you know, food has an impact on an individual, but the breakup of the, of the family system, you know, what's been going on the last however many decades that has caused human beings just to become more and more conflicted. I think that's leading to this increase of chronic disease, you know. Um, that I think people need to, you know, realize. And that's why I think this, this information and this knowledge and this wisdom is so imperative for people to one, learn, but then two, start investigating within their own lives. How does it show up? 100%. It's imperative. And it's also very confronting because we do start to realize like everything you've just shared there, um, that it's not the food, it's not the toxins, it's not this and that. It is um, the way that we're living that is so out of alignment with human biology and with animal biology. You know, this applies to animals and nature as well. We are nature and we're not living in accordance with our nature yeah. at the moment. I think I'm, some I'm, of it, you know, we're starting to make steps back, but yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious what kind of conflicts that can bring up in and by itself. You know, for many people on this path of like seeking truth and authenticity, it's like, oh, you know, fuck the system, fuck the world, fuck Bill Gates, you know fuck this way of modern living, like that's its own conflict, right? If we're constantly yeah. externalizing all this evil and perpetuating yeah. our own victimhood. Yeah. So I really stand by like fear of any kind, even if it is directed in the mm -hmm. right direction, is not helpful. I don't subscribe to like, you know, there's so much going on at the moment and there are so many tangents of fear and rabbit holes that we're being invited to go down at the minute. And for me, a lot of them hold a lot of potential and a lot of truth, right? My body is like, I feel like there's something there, but I consciously choose not to go down those pathways. I, I stay with like, okay, that feels like a possible truth in my body, but I don't need to be spending my time and energy investigating this because it's fear-based. And if you are in fear, they have already won that's it. Like fear is the end game. If you can stay out of fear, you have won. And so for me, it's not a, um, it, it's not a, and this is, everyone's got a different journey, right? For some people, it, it is where they need to go. They need to be sharing this information. They need to be knowing this information. But for me personally, uh, it's a misuse of my time and energy to be spending it there. I would rather be spending my time and energy <clears throat> here sharing, oh, pardon me, <clears throat> sharing empowered information to 
help us all grow as a community and as a population and individually and putting my time and energy into places that are um, preparing us in all the ways that we need to come back to the, that biological, natural way of being. So I put my time and energy into homeschooling, into spending as much time as I can with my kids, into the programs I offer and my clients and sharing GNM and GHK and growing my own garden and, you know, developing these ways of sustainability, of sovereignty, of empowerment. Um, but yeah, fear is like such a big one. And there are so many invitations on the daily basis to go down the fear paradigms. And I, I really, really encourage you to see it, know it, feel it and move on and spend your time mm. and energy elsewhere because that is what's going to progress us. And if we want to talk about family, this is where we can start to change generational cycles as well. We need to be raising our kids with empowered language and in a different energy. We cannot be letting fear infiltrate their lives in this way. This is where it changes. Yeah. Even you talk about empowered language, even just the idea like I got sick, mm. you know, just just saying that versus like understanding what's really happening that like, oh, my body's going through a healing response. Wow, this is great. This is amazing. As opposed to like something bad happened to me. What a shift that could be for so many people. Yeah. Massively, massive. And I encourage all my clients, you know, I have someone who's like, I've got this infection or that infection. I'm like, hey, can we, an invitation to change that language? Can you see it instead as like I'm moving through this healing phase or this adaptation is repairing or resolving as opposed to being infected and sick? And so we really try and weave that language into our family unit as well. And I love that my daughter comes now and she's like, mom, this is going on. Like, what's the conflict for this? And mm. is it in healing phase? I'm like, yes. How old, how old is she now? <laughs> she's 12. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. And she gets so it. Like, she really gets it. And we've had so many times where her whole class has got symptoms and she's fine. She's cool. She's like cruising through it or she'll get something, you know, get something, quote unquote. Mm. She'll have a symptom, but it's so mild and she'll move through it in a day. Um, and the rest of our family doesn't catch it per se. It's kind of mm -hmm. exciting to contemplate like how empowered like these kids are going to be as they continue to grow. Uh, oh, man. Kind of <laughs> amazing. They're going to have, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so amazing. And then, um, you know, to have my son who's too literally born into this language and this paradigm is like super exciting. And it, it does come, you know, I do hold um, – it's, a, it's an interesting thing as a mother, right? They're going to have their own lives to live and their own decisions to make. And internally, I'm like, please, 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 please stay with this language and this paradigm. But at the same time, I'm like, they're going to have their own decisions to make. And already, so my daughter did um, like one term of high school. So she had this beautiful nurturing journey through the Steiner primary system, which we loved. And then she really wanted to try high school, but we don't have a Steiner continuum here for high school. So she went into the state high school and I was like, I have to let her live this experience. And I knew she was going to be coming up against it, you know, in biology and with mm. other kids and all these different things. Um, and she, yeah, she lasted about a term and then she was like, this sucks. I went out. I was like, yes, says my girls. <laughs> I, could, I could just picture your 12-year-old daughter um, like speaking to the biology professor and being like, actually, you know, you're actually incorrect. Uh, let me share a few things with you. Yeah, I don't think that sure. would go too well. I don't think that would go too well, but I just, 
But, you know, massive, massive kudos to you for letting her go through that process herself as an individual, you know, and, and coming to her own conclusions regarding that. Like, that's so so empowering to actually have walked that path, have the, had the experience, and then made the choice that she's made as opposed to you just dictating that path to her. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely had to come to that on her own. And thank you for that compliment because it's definitely not easy as a no. as a mother sometimes to let that freedom happen. Um, but this is, you know, this is one of my priorities. Freedom is a priority, a value of mine. And yeah. so I have to own that within myself, but for my children as well. Like it can't just be a one-way street. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a really interesting experience and I was so glad that we let her run that. And, you know, she may go back at some point in time, but for now she's like it's not right for me and we're really honouring that and pretty stoked about yeah. it, to be honest. <laughs> there's, there's so many people who are like, you know, fighting tyranny to such extents externally to them and in the world, yet they're the biggest tyrants within their own home. Yeah, and this is like this is, again, it's creating the perfect storm scenario, right? Like we can't protect our kids from every single conflict in DHS, but I think to hold them with loving intention is always going to soften whatever comes. If we can love them exactly who they are and where they are, you know, that really softens things, but we can be creating perfect storm scenarios for our kids. If we are too in our dictatorship or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, crossing boundaries with discipline and all sorts of things. So yeah. 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 In fact, that too. Yeah. And back to what you were saying before, I think if you were in that more like dictator state, you could be getting all this amazing knowledge, but your child, when they get older and their teens, they're more likely to rebel as opposed to hey, this is some information. Does it work for you? Oh, you know, go to public school. See how that works for you as opposed to, no, you will only be in the GM&M world and you will not associate with anybody else ever. Like, they'll probably be like, yo, mom, peace. I'm out. I'm going to go travel around the world and do what I want. Like, you're a little crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So this was pretty much my experience <laughs> and um, and why I think my lived experience is serving me pretty well at this point in time. Uh, So I was raised in like an every Sunday church going family and Christian schools. And I was a straight A student right through school. And then I met my first boyfriend who was 11 years older than me at 17. Mm. And I literally like flipped to pretty much sex, drugs and rock and roll overnight and had a very rich experience. Um, But yeah, so yeah, Yeah, so it is, it is finding that balance uh, for sure. Um, something else that just like flitted across my mind there, but it's gone. So yeah. take over and maybe it'll come That's back. Right. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, what's the what's the relationship between German new medicine and nervous system health and regulation? Mm, yep, this is a, a great question. Um, in a nutshell, effectively, when we are in conflict activity, we are in the sympathetic nervous system state. So we're basically in fight and flight mode fairly continuously for as long as that conflict uh, is unresolved. So this is the the heightened, this is anxiety state, this is the heightened um, awareness, disturbed sleep patterns, lowered appetite. And that is when we would say like, my nervous system is fried, potentially we're in a long running conflict activity. Then when we dip into healing phase, resolution phase or PCL, that is conducive with parasympathetic nervous system. So that, that is rest and digest, we get sleepy, we get tired, we get fatigued. So um, if someone is, I guess, not aware of Germany medicine and they're 
like continuously going into heightened states of conflict activity and then crashing down into healing phase. And so we can have a pretty erratic nervous system there. Um, I do think there's things outside of German new medicine that, you know, can affect the nervous system as well on a day-to-day basis. Um, so there's kind of like two, I guess, like two, two roots into that, uh, into that conversation. But yeah, that's, that's the nutshell of how the two kind of come together. Parasympathetic nervous system state and sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. state. But like there, there are conflicts that could lead us to a freeze or kind of fawn-like state too, wouldn't there be? Or yeah, yep. So ooh, what do we got here? Now you're going to test me. Um, uh, motor conflict, being frozen, being stuck, can mm-hmm. definitely be something there. Um, I mean, like you could take this, you could definitely take this tangent conversation. There'd be like a lot of different things. It depends on Mm. the perception of the individual, what they've experienced, how intense and long running the conflict was, what's going on. Um, but yeah, you could definitely go into like a free state with some physical conflicts. Um, there's also things like powerlessness, conflict, frontal fear, conflict, um, particularly the female responses. So when we've got uh, conflicts, and this is getting a little bit kind of technical, but when you've got conflicts that are uh, in the temporal lobes, the territorial region, so you've got uh, hormones, uh, estrogen and testosterone are impacted by the conflict, then um, the the female perception response within those things is often more of a hide and a, and a, and a freeze, and the male response is often more uh fight and flight. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be female or male to experience those things. It depends on your hormone status and your handedness um, and your gender. So, yeah. a, a male can still experience a female perception conflict and a uh, female can still experience the male version of that. Yeah. What, what are some of like the primary conflicts that um, pregnant women would experience? For example, morning sickness You know, is, is a common one. Like, I'm curious what kind of conflict would be mm, there for Yeah. So a lot of nausea is going to be triggered by indigestible morsel conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that we feel like we can't, we, ca- we can't uh, process, we can't digest, we can't um, come to terms with really. Could that be like related um, to the fact that in some cases they're actually pregnant? Very potentially. Yep, definitely, definitely. And I had, um, so my daughter, was conceived out of wedlock and it was a, a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a bit of, I did have morning sickness with her. I didn't with my son who was conceived in a um, stable relationship and we had been leaving the door open for him for a while. So yeah, there's a, a you know, an obvious contrast there. Love them both dearly, just in case they ever listen to this. Um, but yeah, yep. So indigestible morsel conflict. Um, what else happens in pregnancy? The fatigue is uh, well. We're we're predominantly in like for oh, pregnancy is a tricky one. There's different phases. So for some of pregnancy, we're in sympathetic nervous system state, and for some of it, so for the first part, we're in sympathetic nervous system state. For the second two thirds, we're in uh, parasympathetic nervous system state, and that is conducive to the different germ layers that are growing within those times as well, which is super cool. Um, so the fatigue is really normal in those um, those later stages. Uh, it's conducive with what's being built and what's happening. What else? What have you guys ex- not you experienced personally, but what have you come across in pregnancy? <laughs> well, one one that is actually coming um, up for me. I forget the technical name of it, um, but 
the the, the moments post birth, the yellowing of the skin for the baby. What's jaundice. That? Oh, jaundice. Oh, jaundice. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, jaundice. I can't actually think of the program off the top of my head. There's, I think mm. there's like 132 odd different programs, and some of them I have like mm. down packed yeah. super well, and some yeah. of them I still need to like look up and refresh. Well, probably jaundice. related to the birth to some on some level, I'd say the conflict. Quite possibly, yeah. I do. I know I have read about jaundice before, and I can't bring it to mind yeah. right in this minute. No worries. But yeah, I can. I'll shoot it through to you. Yeah, <laughs> something that I dealt with personally, so I kind of want to get into. I've I've heard a little bit about it from people, but chronic ear infections is something that happens mm-hmm. all the time with children, and yep. uh, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, so sound morsel conflict. Um, so something they wanted to hear that they couldn't, or didn't want to hear that they did, and often I think that this is probably related to again mum's voice being away from the sound morsel of mum's voice. So again, we see like how much are our children being away from us. And one of the reasons I do think uh, our kids and our family unit stay pretty well and pretty symptom-free is because I'm pretty much around 24-7. Like I'm either here in the office and they're out there or I'm with them. Um, I'm, I'm close by a lot of the time. So yeah, sound morsel conflict is that one. Um, yeah. 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 I, I had chronic ear infections as a kid and then I had tubes put in. I went through mm. the whole, you know, Western system and then I had cholesteatoma behind my eardrum twice and I had a major surgery at like five years old and eight years old to, wow. for them to remove that, you know, benign growth behind my eardrum. Uh, so it's it's just wild when you think about this knowledge and this information. And of course, I have no regrets because my path is my path. And, and um, you know, I think a lot of the experiences I had also opened me up and led me down. Uh, the path I'm on now, but it's interesting to think about like, oh, wow, if I didn't go under anesthesia so many times that age, if I didn't go to the hospital that many times, if, you know, it's just interesting. Um, But this knowledge is so empowering, you know, and just something like a chronic ear infection, the sound morsel conflict, like they're leaving, they're not hearing their mom or their dad's voice. And uh, it's just, yeah. And and what was your experience like? Does that resonate as a conflict theme within well, your experience? It, it, well, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> Obviously, I went away to school. Like I was thrown into school, so potentially, I just can't. I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't have the the recollection. Um, to, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think something you know you said. Um, you know the potential of going into like the regrets there something that has served me so well and it does kind of align with with gnm this is like the quintessence the fifth biological law right um so divine timing and order and perfection in all things and i really this is something i i deeply deeply hold is a an absolute trust in the divine timing and order in life in all things in all of our experience both for us independently and also us as a collective so all of our experiences are coming together to advance us as a collective on that more energetic spiritual level, I believe. Um, and yeah, just having absolute full-blown trust in the divine timing and order of all things in our lives. Like for as much as I have been through in my life, I can see how that has shaped me and brought me to where I am now. And um, this is part of Martini method as well, which actually I should say, like I'm not a certified uh, DM facilitator, but it is, uh, it's, we can utilize it by knowing it. Um, so this comes into that a lot in terms of, yeah, really leaning into how everything is leading us directly towards what we're asking for. 
Yeah. Everything is always conspiring to lead us towards our goals, priorities, and values in any given moment. And we can choose to see that. And that is hugely empowering. And I find that that is a, a really powerful way of helping dissolve conflicts as well is to really look to consciously understand and choose to see how it was happening, like I said earlier, for us rather than to us. Um, and then all of a sudden it makes sense in our life experience as opposed to something that caught us off guard and was a, a conflict and a trauma. Yeah, just the, the, the depth of the gifts and the wisdom available to us in overcoming our personal obstacles, resolving our conflicts is something that's just completely invaluable. You know, it's what gives the richness to this entire experience. Like how else how else do we get to a point of, of, of perception and looking back on our journey and, you know, connecting the dots if it wasn't for conflicts? Yeah, 100%. And like literally twice this week, I've had this conversation with two different clients who have come into their second session from their first session with like so much personal change. And I'm like, how cool is it? And how wild is it that just following one symptom can lead to this level of personal growth and evolution? Like, did you ever imagine that coming to work with me for a symptom would lead to these personal changes and they're like, no, it's wild and it's awesome. And I really think that is the hidden gift um, of GNM GHK is is that personal change and evolution. And I will harp on about it till the cars come well, home. Yeah, <laughs> Keep harping on. The symptom leads you back to yourself. It leads you back to Correct. your psyche. It leads you back yeah. to how you perceive yeah. the world around you. And if you're able to alter that, that's where miracles happen. If you respond Correct. to life differently when you've been responding to it the same way for decades or responding to your partner, or responding to a child or responding to your coworker, I mean, that can change everything in your life when you, when yeah. you shift your behavior and your perception. Absolutely. Like I, I reckon if you take away the symptom, you take away the gift, you take away the opportunity for growth and evolution. If you band-aid it, if you mask it, like that's cool. You can if you want to. There's zero judgment, but you are basically like handing back a gift. Well, I mean, like we're, we're, we're big advocates of heroism <laughs> here and ultimately it's, it's refusing to answer the call, right? And every single conflict resolution is a hero's journey. It's diving, choosing to face the underworld, face the shadows and bring back the gift and the boon, right? For yourself and for your people. Yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to I get into a topic that I think is really important, especially from a G&M standpoint, vaccines. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. You know, and like we beyond, you know, beyond the COVID and everything that we've dealt with, but like getting into childhood vaccines and the vaccine schedule and how it's been growing, but just even the the concept of vaccines and how um, GNM just has a completely different view of of this subject. Yep, for sure. So yes, we do. The GNM GHK stance is very much that um, the vaccines are null and void and potentially dangerous. Um, that actually, I will preface this conversation. Okay, so there's this super interesting article that actually this is like so contradictory to everything I'm going to say right now, but there is a really, really interesting article. I'll send you guys through the link that speaks to the potential validity of vaccines and actually in a way that sort of aligns with and proves GNM, yeah. but not in the way that they're being delivered at the moment. So, Something we, obviously, um, fourth biological law, so microbes are our friends. We don't want to get rid of them. Um, they're there for a reason. They're there to do a job. However, I also, so with microbes, um, Joel, you might be familiar with this. Okay, so in Australia, it's really common to go to Bali for holidays. 
Mm-hmm. And the first time we go there, we usually get, um, you know, stomach issues and all sorts of things. Barley then the second bellies. time you- Barley belly. Barley belly. This is it. Yep. Yeah. Killer. Um, it's, Mexico. So- it's Mexico for us on the, on the oh, Western Hemisphere. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico belly. Um, <laughs> so the first time you go there, you get, you know, you get these belly symptoms. Second time you go there, you might get them, but a bit milder. Third time you go there, you know, you're pretty cruisy. You're right. The microbes have integrated. You know them. They know you. And I think there is something to be said here is that uh, this level of travel is, again, not normal for humans if we're talking primarily and biologically. It's not a usual thing to take a human from here in this climate, in this environment, and pop them over there (laughs) Um, where there's a whole new microbial environment. And for me, this is kind of like you've got a higher level corporation or firm and you go and drop like a... Um, a cleaning apprentice or a really like, you know, an apprentice, someone who doesn't have a lot of knowledge into the law level of this high level corporation. So you, you're putting someone in something that is um, not acquainted with the company and does a completely different job role into this like really high level position where it needs to know a lot. And that's kind of what I think is happening when we take a human out of their environment and put them into another environment and you've all of a sudden got this like really new microbes that are new to the corporation and they perhaps don't quite know how to do their job yet. The communication lines aren't formed. Maybe they're really, really excited and they try and overdo their job like the young apprentice. Um, And so new microbes can be a little bit problematic in the system. doesn't mean they're not meant to be there but it does mean, you know, if you've got a large amount of new microbes in a in a new corporation, it could be a little bit problematic to begin with as they find their way and we learn to communicate with them. And I actually potentially think that this is partially what happened <clears throat> with the last few years and the new microbe that we have met during this time. Um, so bringing that back around to the potential, and I say potential validity, of vaccines, but not in the way that they're being delivered today, is that if we can introduce the body to new microbes in a <clears throat> controlled and uh, gentle way, and this is homeopathy kind of, right, as well, um, then there is you know, some potential there. And this article goes into um, a study that showed the difference in rate of symptoms of wellness between candidates that were inoculated with living microbes as opposed to dead microbes as well. Now, if we think about this perspective, so microbes are our friends, they're there to do a job, they have a role to play, it would stand to reason in my mind that it could be beneficial to introduce a wide range of microbes in gentle ways and controlled ways that could be beneficial because they're there to do a job. So when the individual does experience a biological program and when those adaptations come and go, um, these micro like there's a there's a wide array of microbes that are there to do a job, right? So I know that's a that's a pretty big tangent, but um I think it's a really, really interesting article. And for me, the way I encourage uh natural (laughs) natural inoculation is in that gentle way. So grow your own food and don't wash it to within an inch of its life. You know, eat a bit of dirt, get down the beach, walk barefooted. Um, kiss your dog. You know, kiss your dog. Kiss your dog. Yeah. 
take take mouthfuls of seawater into your mouth and play with it. And like, you know, these are the ways that I think we can introduce breathe diverse environments. It, travel, travel and pick up those different cultures. But um, so yeah, anyway, big tangent. <laughs> Let me know if you've got anything to say on that one and then I'll answer your question properly. Well, I thought, um, I, th- I thought where you were going with it was that the the potential benefit to vaccines would be if someone's if someone's psyche genuinely genuinely believed that this vaccine was going to help them, then it would, it would it would eliminate the fear for that particular individual. But, well, well, yeah. I actually think that's something that could have been going on the last few years if someone was conflict active because of you know let's say a territorial fear of conflict or a sting conflict or whatever, and then they go and they choose to to take the vaccine. That then there's this moment, oh, I'm safe now. Mm. But if they've been mm. conflict active for an extended period of time, they didn't leave their house, they didn't hug anyone, they were super scared that the symptoms from getting the vaccine would be because it was an intense healing crisis that caused them potentially to you know um, you know have an acute crisis that could have potentially even led to death. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, both of those comments are very valid in in my perspective. So, um, yep, I definitely think that for some people, the process of vaccination does produce that sense of safety, absolutely, and that can send them into healing phase for sure. Um, it can also work the opposite. So I guess this is kind of coming back around to answering your initial question is that what I see is that if you think about the process and and perhaps it's that, <clears throat> okay, so we've got child versus adult here as well, right? Mm-hmm. So a child getting vaccinated is very different to an adult getting vaccinated. Why? Consciousness. Consciousness, right? And it's a it's a choice for the adult as opposed to you think about the process of the vaccination for a child, it's generally speaking fairly traumatic. Oh, no, there's like, plenty of three-year-olds that are like, oh, dad, please, I can't wait to go to the doctor's office to get that needle <laughs> stuck in my arm. You know, I don't know mul- what three-year-olds you know, but... The multiple, ne- multiple needles in one <laughs> sitting. Multiples. Yeah, yeah, totally, right? And they're often held down. And I've seen these videos on Instagram and socials of, like, a dad crying, holding his child, like, in lock. You know, these things are... Like, you look at that scenario, and that is perfect storm for DHS. Yeah. It's perfect storm for a conflict. And then not only have we got perfect storm for a conflict, but we're also injecting a substance directly into the bloodstream that is containing all myriad of different things. And GNM does have the caveats of um, poisoning accidents and envenomation, right? Mm-hmm. So I personally believe that there are substances in these things that are not meant to be injected into the bloodstream of a human. So we've got twofold here. We've got the perfect storm for a DHS conflict, and we've also got uh, substances that are poisonous to the body being injected directly into the bloodstream. Um, and this is also how I think a lot of childhood allergies form too. So the substances that are in the vaccines are then regi- if the if a child experiences a DHS at that moment, then everything that's in that vaccine is registered by the psyche as a red flag, as a track and a trigger. Yep. And then whenever the child comes across that substance in daily life, and I believe, and don't hold me to the validity of this, but I did read somewhere that things like peanut oil used to be used in the substances, right? Mm-hmm. And so we went through this massive phase of so many children having peanut allergies because they're being they're in this DHS scenario, and then there's peanut oil or you know essence of peanut oil in this substance. There's all sorts of things in these. So, 
And, you know, again, a similar thread, there seems to be a connection between Monsanto who um, have involvement with vaccines and also have involvement in spraying crops and wheat and all sorts of things that go into our wheat production. And so, again, we've got like DHS, perfect storm scenario, and then we've got this similar substance that's in like our everyday lives. And I, I potentially think that this has something to do with a, a really sharp increase in things like gluten intolerance as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily the gluten. I think it's probably what's been done to the um, to the wheat, to the, to the particles during storage, all the chemicals used, all that sort of thing. Anyway, lots of tangents there. But yeah, <laughs> but they're good tangents, and obviously, most of our listeners, I think, have a, a general understanding of of gene of GNM GHK based on previous episodes and whoever's gone into to look into it. Uh, if you don't, uh, I highly recommend you go watch our our, our recent episodes uh, and dive into this knowledge even more. But um, yeah, the the whole wheat thing's interesting too. Again, like so many things can be happening. You can be eating, you can be experiencing something while you're while a conflict occurs, and then again, like you said earlier, your brain. Uh, your psyche perceives those things as part of the experience and they become tracks. Um, so it's easy to blame the food, um, but it usually goes a little deeper than that. Definitely. Classic example for that one is a client I was working with really early on who had diagnosed Crohn's disease. And um, <clears throat> so she was particularly sensitive to wheat, gluten, dairy, and a few other things. And when we traced back her timeline, we worked out that her DHS, her moment of conflict, was receiving a phone call that her house had been broken into and completely, you know, like ransacked, trashed and that sort of thing. And when we looked at it, where was she when she got the phone call? She was at the pub and she was eating pizza. And Mm -hmm. so the psyche has logged everything that was around at that time as part of the, oh, my God, I've been caught off guard. And when we were able to um, dissolve that, dissect it, break it down a bit, she no longer responded badly to gluten and wheat and dairy. It's amazing. Fun story. Yeah. I um, I grew up with a specifically a prawn allergy, like not shellfish. I could eat crabs, lobsters, whatever, but prawns. I actually ended up in hospital twice. I was recommended to carry an EpiPen around, you know, experiencing asphyxiation, et cetera. Um, now many, many years later, actually just earlier this year, I decided being in Mexico, very, it's very rich in terms of seafood that, you know, I'd try, um, to eat, you know, prawn, prawns or what are they called here? Shrimp. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, there there was no issue with it, but in my circumstance, like there was no conscious resolution of, oh, this is what happened the first time I tried a prawn previously, just to highlight to whoever's listening that I guess. These things can be resolved, you know, without having to directly recognize or bring back up the specific memory as well. Definitely. And also what I found sometimes is that simply the process of understanding Mm -hmm. that the food morsel is not the danger, it was just around or connected to the danger, simply that process sometimes dissolves the charge altogether and, and dissolves the track. Um, so, you know, like just by knowing GNM, GHK, even without, even without trying to actually use it or put it into practice can bring so much alleviation. And a lot of that is that fear thing, right? As well. It's, it's, it's very curious though, like with these super common allergies, like peanuts and shellfish, you know, that are so wide ranging across, you know, much of the population, maybe there's traces of shellfish in vaccines. I can't confirm that, you know, but 
you see it you see it so commonly as, as another one of those key allergies so it just gets you thinking yep definitely i have actually re- raised this question in one of our masterminds as well our, our advanced gnm groups um and i'm like why is it that some substances seem to um activate this more than others like gluten so common mm-hmm. dairy so common shellfish so common but we don't necessarily see very many allergies to you know like bananas or beef yeah like beef yeah you know why is it that our body responds to these things and it was a really interesting conversation none of us could come to a distinct closure on the answer but there were some definitely some interesting threads of the conversation one of them was that um we look at foods that are around a lot you know like peanut butter and toast is a pretty pretty standard pretty common household um item dairy is obviously very very prevalent um but then also i wonder if there is something about these substances that is flagged as i guess i would say dangerous to the body in the first place like i wonder if there is something that is a uh, a sensitivity that's there anyway does that make sense mm-hmm. could be as yeah, opposed to like so like more so like you know maybe an apple or a strawberry is more biologically appropriate or available for the body so it's less likely to see it as a associated danger mm-hmm. as opposed to okay are we not are we just generally not meant to be eating high volumes of bread of wheat of dairy and not to encourage fear around that but like thinking biologically you know are these substances that are not so biologically appropriate for us to be eating all the time and that's why when they are involved in something that it's picked up more easily yeah Mm. that is interesting maybe maybe like steaks just so delicious that like even if there was a conflict at the time our psyche wouldn't really register it because of the experience we're having yeah (laughs) no but that is really interesting when you think about it because like are people just eating cheese pizza like why aren't they having all these tracks to tomatoes you know tomato sauce that's on the pizza with the dairy and the bread so it is interesting to think about in that regards. Um, yeah, and that was my question. Like, why wasn't she allergic to capsicum? Why wasn't she allergic to to mushrooms? And there are people, and um, yeah, there's you know there are different. So some people do become allergic to m- the most random things: apples or strawberries or yeah, yeah. You know, bananas. Eggs or whatever I've, I've it got is. friends with banana allergies. Yeah, bananas, right? And so, what is it in one person's psyche that picks up on that and doesn't in another? And like, I obviously freaking love GNM, GHK, but I do think there is huge room for expansion here as well. Like I think Dr. Harmer was an absolute genius. I'm so incredibly grateful. I'm also very open-minded that um, this is this is one human that documented this and we have to start opening up the conversation to, to really explore so much of this further. For me, it's like the base truth that I live by, mm-hmm. but I think there's so much more to it. And I think one yeah. of the components that I've touched on today as well is like the energetic component as well. Like how much do energetics play a role in this? Um, you know, when we talk about large groups of people, get, you know, experiencing a symptom at once, how much of that is uh, them individually having the experience and how much of that is a group energetic dynamic as well? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Hammer definitely was a genius. It's incredible what he's created. But you see this often in anyone that's a pioneer or someone who's changed the game is that there are people that are purists and they mm-hmm. won't go outside of what the original knowledge was. And that always usually causes like drama within different communities. And it's unfortunate that I feel like that occurs within the GM community. That could be yeah. a reason why more and more people don't know about it because I feel like there's just drama. And it's natural. I see it in so many different fields as well. 
Yep. Yep. Totally resonate with that. Um, and I, like, I do get it. I, I really do get it. There is a, there is a reason and there is, um, a validity to keeping it as pure as possible so that it doesn't get watered down. But I do mm-hmm. think that this is potentially hindering the, um, expansion of this knowledge and getting it out there to a, to a wider group of people. And that's really part of my mission is to make this accessible, um, mm-hmm. to as many people as possible. Yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. Other voices out there that have kind of come come on the scene the last like few years, several years that people are learning about it, you know, because of people like you, people like Melissa, other people as well. You know, I study with Andy, you know, there's different people that are just sharing this knowledge that I think is really cool. Uh, I want to go back though a little bit because I I love the subject of vaccines. I know it tends to be a little bit controversial, but even the topic of autism, you know, that's when you get into like constellations and behavioral shifts Mm -hmm. Um, and not every single child that gets a vaccine comes down with autism. And so I think you need to look a little deeper. And I think the explanation around the constellations makes the most sense because if a child already has a conflict um, or a DHS uh, on one side, and then they experience something else, or they're dealing with the, what is it like territorial fear? I forget what the two conflicts are that, that uh, with the autistic constellation, but um, you know, that makes sense to me because not every child is going to perceive vaccination the same way. Maybe they've gone into vaccination already grappling with, or or have a program that's online and then the vaccine adds a whole nother experience into the mix. So um, again, it's not just as simple as like, oh, the vaccine caused the autism or it's this thing that causes this. You can't leave consciousness at the door. You can't leave your mindset and how you think and how you perceive your environment because that just brings way more nuance to it and it makes it more individual and personal. Yeah, absolutely. And you're spot on. Like not every child that gets vaccinated gets symptoms, right? So we have yeah. to stop blaming the external. I'm not saying it's good. There's no way any of that's gone near any of my children, but um, we have to stop blaming the external and bring it back to the individual perspective and the individual mindset, which is confronting, but also incredibly empowering if you're willing to go there. Um, And yeah, you know, like a child can, like you said, have a, have a pre-running conflict and then it's added to, or a child may experience several conflicts at the one time during the vaccination process. That's the other possibility. But it is, yeah, yeah, we just stop blaming the external and really take that radical self-responsibilities coming back to that one. Even the story before, you know, like the father holding the child. So like you're a child that can't even move. You're crying. Someone's freaking attacking you with a needle. Like what does that do? What adaptations does that cause? You know, but, you know, people don't look into that. They don't understand the the foundational knowledge of GNM to see how this would impact them. So again, I, I love preaching to the you know from the rooftops. I love this knowledge. It's super important. I am no expert by any means. I like learning. Um, I'm I'm really drawn to things that make sense, and this makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah, me too. The the germ theory of disease is like the medical version of socialism. It's like mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> socialism would say everyone else is responsible for my well being and my prosperity, and germ theory would say everyone else is responsible for my health. You know, whereas individualism would say I'm responsible, you know, for my prosperity and, you know, and, and for the experience that I'm having. And GNM would say I'm responsible for my health yeah. and for my well-being. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Have you guys come across the book, um, The Courage to Be Disliked, based on uh, Adlerian psychology? I know the phrase, but I don't think I've come across that book. An amazing book. An amazing book. It's like one of those, for me, it's one of those like pivotal life changer books. Adlerian psychology, um, and it it does tie in really well with everything we're speaking to here mm-hmm. about empowerment, about self responsibility, and it is absolutely 
um, that process of yeah, taking responsibility for everything that happens in our lives. And that's where our state of empowerment can come from. So in a, in a nutshell, one of the concepts of Adlerian psychology is you imagine you've got. This, is this is that based, on, in- based on Alfred Adler, the work of Alfred Adler? Adler, Adler yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. So you imagine you've got a woman and she says, I can't ask that guy out because every time I go to do it, I go bright red, I flush. Adlerian psychology asks, why are you flushing so you don't have to ask that guy out? Mm. And she says, because I'm afraid of being rejected. Yeah. And so it's like that cause and effect. We go, I can't do this because of this. But Adlerian psychology asks, why are you producing that so you don't have to do that? And that's radical self-responsibility is going, okay, I'm creating this and I can also work around this. This is mine to own. If we don't own it, we can't work with it. We can't change it. We have to own it first to be able to change it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like you saying like this the the body or the psyche is like preempting a symptom to avoid a fear. It's yeah, so it's it's definitely slightly different to GNM GHK, mm-hmm. but it is the uh yeah, it's a way it's like which comes first, the chicken or the egg, yeah. right? Yeah. Um but it is Either which way, whatever happens, it's about, and this is it's almost like secondary gains as well, which is an NLP um, terminology, and I work with this quite a bit as well, is because sometimes we see that symptoms are just staying no matter what. And it's like, what do you stand to gain by staying with that symptom, by keeping that symptom? And yeah. so often I've heard things like, oh, well, actually I'm getting a lot of support right now that I didn't have before. Maybe someone with cancer, yep. like they're being financially supported, they're being emotionally supported, they're being supported in all these different ways that they didn't have pre-cancer diagnosis. And so they actually don't feel strongly motivated to resolve the conflict and resolve, you know, the adaptation because they're, they're gaining something by yep. staying with it. Um, yep. And that kind of ties into that as well. It's like, okay, what are you gaining by keeping the symptom? Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, it relates to my analogy of, you know, the socio-economic theory of socialism in that the more needy I am, the more likely I am to receive, you know. Right, yeah. The more, the more of a victim I can government. become, the more likely I am to get attention and support. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is, like I said at the start of this conversation, this is why I, I feel that GNMJHK isn't necessarily widely and readily accepted yet because it it is radical self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. It invites you to take responsibility for everything. Yeah. In and your it's life. not, and it's not widely and readily accepted. For some people. Yeah. It's because it can only be accepted by the individual. You know, it's it's not something that can be that can be accepted by the crowd or the group or the collective. Yeah. It's one individual lighting up at a time. And that that yeah. that goes with, you know, any great idea, any great philosophy, any really self-empowering knowledge. It's up to the individual to collect that. Correct. And that's Adlerian psychology as well. That's that individual um, psychology. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. It also challenges the foundations of a multi-trillion dollar industry. Um, so that doesn't help. That doesn't help either. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't help. It's a, it's a footnote, you're asking. It's a footnote. You know, but like, but like it's wild. Like think of so many people, how much skin they have in the game because of their education, because of their titles, because of their white coat, because of the hundreds of thousands of dollars they paid for a certain kind of education like 
you know, it's, most people don't have the psycho-emotional fortitude to completely challenge their identity and their belief systems, uh, especially if their livelihood um, is based on it. Um, so it's tricky. It's like, it's like the age old saying, like, you know, once like the old guard dies out, you know, the new guard might be more open to it. And so it's happening. I think, I think uh, a lot of these institutions and, and faith in these uh, mainstream institutions are crumbling and uh, we're seeing it happen in real time right now. Yeah, man. More, yeah, more, more people are turning to alternative media. They're tuning into podcasts and conversations like this, and they're seeking information for themselves without being dictated to, you know, what the correct information is. So yeah. it's definitely happening. Thank Thank fuck for COVID, hey? Yeah, yeah. Listen, it was a it was a blessing, you know, that period. Yeah. And we've talked about it so many times. I mean, it's been incredible. I wouldn't have met Joel probably mm -hmm. uh, because of it. We wouldn't have created what, what we created. I've met hundreds of incredible human beings that I call my dear friends. I mean, we're sitting here having this conversation uh, because of it. So, like, thank you. Let's continue doing our thing and and living our life, taking responsibility and creating what we want and bringing it into the world and, and be empowering. And, and I love what you said even before is that, I'm hearing like these conversations that are happening, especially with the people I align more. It's not about like, oh, all these things are happening to us and they're about to do this new thing. It's like, what can we do to to take more ownership over our lives, to be more sovereign, to 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 build community of of, of similar minded individuals and create? You know, I was just at the Music and Sky gathering um, over, you know, over the weekend, which was amazing. And there was a common theme with all the talks. You know, my wife and I spoke, you know, Alex X spoke, uh, Melissa, there were several other people that spoke. And there was like threads of everyone talking about the same exact thing. Whereas three years ago, the, the talks were very, very different. The energy behind them were different. And so to, to witness that in real time and to sit here um, and and speak about these things. And even with what Joel and I are created, have created with Rise Above the Herd, you know, it's like, like whatever everyone else is doing, let them do it. What are you creating? What do you have control over? Do you know yourself? Do you love yourself? Like, what do you value? Can you bring what you value into the world and inspire? And and that's that's where we're at. So um, we're totally on the same page as you and much respect. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Try try talking about GNM JHK in Australia eight years ago. Oh um, my goodness. I can't imagine what you would have come up against, like <laughs> attempting what? that. <laughs> Yeah, it's hectic. Like you, you <laughs> couldn't even talk about vaccines prior to 2020 with anyone. No, no. V -v -v yeah. Sorry. No one's no one was willing to have that conversation. No. People yeah. came out of the woodwork and like said the most horrific things. It's not happening as much these days. Yeah. You know? def definitely COVID. uh definitely softening for sure. COVID COVID yeah. was and a course I... correction. You know, it was it was a universal reconciliation of the unconscious. It gave everyone the opportunity to step into alignment if they were willing to let, you know, the fires purge them, you know, of yeah, agree. Of 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 what was out of alignment. Yeah. And that's very much in, you know, alignment with what I was saying about like choosing to see how things are happening for us rather than to us. That's a choice that every single one of us gets. Um, and yeah, the divine timing and order in all things. I do have a deep, deep trust in that. Um, I still, you know, prepare parts of my life accordingly to go through storms, but I have a deep, deep trust. And also in that nature always corrects herself. Mm -hmm. She always self-corrects. So however much we're potentially stuffing things up as humans right now, like nature will self-correct. Yeah. And I mean, nature is like, to me, it's like what, what what's what's the quote? I think Schelling Schelling said that um, spirit is visible nature. Na nature. Oh no, sorry, spirit. What is it? 
Spirit is visible, nature, and nature is visible. Uh, invisible. Spirit is invisible, nature, and nature is visible spirit. Whatever it is. What I'm trying to say is that, you yeah. know, nature is the external manifestation of our psyche, and our psyche always course corrects, right? Yeah. And that's just what we're witnessing external to us. Um, so, yeah, you're getting the quote. I'm trying to. I think <laughs> I think what we said is kind of close. Nature is visible spirit, and spirit is invisible nature. Nature is mm-hmm. to be conceived as visible spirit, yeah, and spirit as invisible nature. So, yeah. So profound. So profound. Yeah. yeah. So deep. Yeah. What a great conversation. So happy to have you on. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. So happy to be here. Thanks, lads. Nice to get that yeah. Aussie energy as well. It's been a while on here for, for the truth, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I, lo- I mean, I love Australia. I spent four months there and have visited twice. I love it. Yeah, I think since being in Mexico, there hasn't been many Aussie guests. Many Aussie guests. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nelly, so much appreciation for the path you've walked, for the knowledge that you share, for you know you stepping into your power and being in the position now to you know spread the word and inspire others. Um, total, total respect from us. Thank you, and right back at you guys as well. Doing some yeah. awesome things. Keep on, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And I, and I love, I just love that, like, this knowledge is getting more in the hands of parents, you know, like everything that you're saying, everything that you represent, it's so, so important because um, that's the future, you know, like, I, I'm yeah. so excited for your children, like 12 year olds knows this, has known this knowledge for several years. Your son will know this knowledge his whole life. Like, what kind of humans will they evolve into? You know, it's so exciting to to see this, like these new generations that are coming forward with a lot of this knowledge, you know, that are kind of learning outside of this old world of, of um, conditioning, you know, where the, the established mm-hmm. systems are just, are the reason why they think and believe the things they believe. So yeah, for exciting. sure. And that's, you know, like put your energy into this as opposed to like, yeah, please just don't let too much fear into your home, into your kids, stay on this kind of energy with the path. And um, yeah, this is where the paradigm changes. My, my my kids have never seen a doctor in their entire existence, you know, and that would be such a radical concept mm, to much yeah. of the population right now. But it's like it's not it hasn't been necessary. There's never been one moment where it's ever been remotely necessary to think, oh yeah, we've got to go seek that kind of assistance at this point in time. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's you know like there's so many other things I could touch on. I think we're kind of like coming up to time today, but you know, if yeah. you guys or if anyone else wants to hear more on. The family side of things and how to utilize the knowledge of GNM within that um, for you know maintaining states of wellness and there's so many other tangents I could speak on. So very happy to pop back on if there's a mm-hmm. desire for that. Any point oh, in time. definitely, definitely down the road. I'm sure there will be. Um, what can I say? Love and respect, much appreciation, guys. Thanks for listening, Nelly. Before Real you go, quick, yeah, 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 yeah. How can people find you? Contact you? What do you have going on? Yeah, sweet. Um, so www.nellybewell.com. Um, that will be changing shortly to New Earth Wellness. That is my new business name, which has kind of been like filtering in for a while. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on socials. Uh, the website's there. Uh, my flagship programs are the GNM GHK Foundations course, uh, the Empowered Health Academy. So that is my intention with that course is that it's a really easily accessible, really digestible way of learning the foundations of Germany medicine and also how to apply it and how to integrate it, right? That was the missing piece for me um, at the start of all this. So, um, yeah, and I know that the information can be quite 
biologically and technically thick when you first come across it, particularly if you don't have a biological background. uh, background. So I'm really coming at it from that place of being like a mum of two in Australia who doesn't have that background and making it um, easily understandable and digestible for, yeah, the average person. Um, So that's the foundations course. You get lifetime access in there to our whole community and all our bank of resources. And then uh, forward from there is my practitioner's integration course. So you cannot be an actual GNM practitioner. However, uh, holistic practitioners who want to integrate Germany medicine into their work, that's who it's for. Um, and so that's a 10-month intensive that goes into, again, like the real depths of the knowledge, but also the application of it is, is the Amazing. big one that I'm focusing on. Um, and then, of course, I work individually with people too. Yeah, so cool. I think there's been some crossover in our world, actually. People have come to Here for the Truth and they've done our course, Rise Above the Herd. They've yes. been introduced to GNM. Then they've ended up in your in your programs as well. So Yes, there are awesome two beautiful work. women that come to mind who I can think of that are in your community. <laughs> They're amazing. Very let's, cool. Let's, let's give them a shout out. Melissa, Mila, much love. What up? Yeah, I love you guys. <laughs> All right, Nelly. Awesome. Thanks again. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Smoking mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution.